stand all over the house this evening. I know some may still be trying to make their way here this evening. Let's sing this old hymn of the church, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand.
worship you tonight. Father, we pray, Lord, that every note that is played, every song that is sung, every message that is given would be for the glory and the honor and the advancement of the kingdom of God. Father, we are in this place and we've gathered in your name to once again love and to adore and to worship you. And for that, Lord, we give you all praise, glory, and honor. And together we, together as the body of Christ, say amen. 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 Will you join in meeting and greeting those around you in the name of the Lord at this time?
you make your way back to your seats this evening, we're going to ask you to join with us in worship as we continue to sing. There'll be songs of praise that you'll know. We'll sing these together. So praise chorus just says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. So let's worship the Lord today. chorus that was sung many, many years ago. It was written back in uh, 
think probably in the 80s, I guess, somewhere in that window. We're going to sing just the chorus of this song, but the, the words of it really, we talked about it this morning, the highest form of praise that we can give the Lord is the word hallelujah. It's the same in every language. This song simply just says, hallelujah, praise the Lamb, hallelujah, praise the Lamb. My heart sings His praise again, so hallelujah, praise the Lamb. And so tonight I want us to sing that together as our anthem of worship tonight. So let's sing this together.
just worship the Lord just momentarily. Lord, we just love you. We glorify your name today, Lord. We magnify the name of Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. We glorify touching Jesus is all that matters in your life will never be the same there is only 
is only
the voices hold to be his hand Father, Lord, let that be our heart's cry. Let us touch Jesus so that others may know you and be blessed. Father, that's why we meet in places of worship. That's why we come together. That's why we sing the songs of Zion. That's why we do what we do because we want to touch Jesus as he passes by. Each and every one of the sound of my voice online or in-house at some point in time has felt him pass by their way. Now some may have accepted him as Lord and Savior and the full pardoning of their sins. Others may have just have an acquaintance of him, but if they have lived long enough, they have experienced you passing them by. So today, God, I'm asking before we break the bread of life that you would honor our heart's cry that we just sang as our prayer and anthem. Let us touch you so that others may know the same God that we know and be blessed. And for that, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Together, the people of God said amen. 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 I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles momentarily to the book of Judges, chapter number 8. And then we'll look in the book of Genesis, or excuse me, Jeremiah, chapter 31. And uh, we will... uh, get to right into the message tonight what a wonderful time let me say I always like to say or like to give credit and honor where honor is due Um, obviously our worship team and band and everybody did a phenomenal job this morning in worship but let me say I just wanted to go on record I thank God for passing by this morning I've said it many a times, and I stand by this statement that if we're just if we just come and God doesn't show up, we had a social club meeting or we had a get together. We didn't have church. Church is when God shows up. That's when church shows up, and and church doesn't even have to be on this property. It can be in your home. When God shows up, you'll have church. Babby Mason, one time, old uh, gospel singer, uh, she had a song back in the early '90s and or, I mean early 2000s, late '90s, early 2000s. Said so when the Holy Ghost shows up, we'll have church. That was her. That was her claim to fame, and it was such a, a catchy tune. But you know what? There was some truth to that. When God shows up, that's when you have church. Other than that, you just came for a motivational pep talk. I'm not the best motivational speaker, so you'd be disappointed. But let me. I do want to tell the Lord in front of the body of Christ that I thank Him for meeting with us today. I do believe there were people in this house this morning that truly the word of the Lord spoke to them today. And, uh, and I believe God's still going to do great things amongst us. Judges chapter 8, chapter eight, verse number 4. 
and then I'm going to look at Jeremiah chapter number 31 and verse 25. But when Gideon came unto Jordan, he and 300 of his men who were with him crossed over, exhausted, but still pursuing. I said to some of us this morning in the house today that you may be crippled, but if you're not dead, keep walking, keep moving. It ain't over till it's over. You know, the old adage is that ain't over till the fat lady sings. You may feel like she's in the choir room rehearsing, but we ain't put her on stage yet to sing, so you still got time. Keep on pressing on. Jeremiah says it like this. For I have saturated the weary soul, and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. One translation said, I made sure that the weary were taken care of. And I gave them extra strength to those that needed it most. What a beautiful way to say that. I gave rest to those who were tired and weary. And I gave extra strength to those who needed it most. I started last week and I'm going to finish it and we're going to go to prayer. Part one of a sermon called Worn Out But Still Going. Now... I think tonight it's a more prophetic sermon than it was even last week because when I walked into the building about everybody that passed by said, whoo, Pastor, I'm tired today. And I thought, you're worn out, aren't you? But you're still going. Yeah, I'm tired too. I didn't want to get out of my chair this afternoon. I was struggling getting after I would run some things, took care of some things this afternoon. I got home for about 15 minutes and got to do a couple things. And I told Brandon, I, was, I struggled getting out today. But we can be worn out, but God needs us to keep going. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, to the very best of my ability, help me to preach the word of God. God, it is not me, but it's you that needs to be heard. Lord, I pray that you would just be with us in this house. And God, that you would speak to our hearts. Take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay. And I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and that only I and but in the background, while you take center stage, I may be the mouthpiece that you use, but God, you take center stage today. You've already taken it this morning, and will you take it tonight as well? And that we give you the praise and glory and honor. In Christ's name we pray, and together the body of Christ said, Amen. Amen. If you'll be seated if you can this evening, we'll get you out of here in a reasonable time. I know most of you are just wanting to know what Huddle House's special is later this evening. So I don't want you to miss out on your pancakes at Huddle House tonight. So we'll get right into this. We discussed last week that Gideon was on a journey. Gideon thought when he started this journey that he had plenty of ammunition and plenty of people. In fact, Gideon thought, well, I got quite a few thousand men. In fact, I've got 32,000 people to go with me. You know, a pastor that walks into the auditorium on Sunday morning and 32,000 people are there to hear him preach, he's going to feel like he's having a good day at the office. A good day. The next Sunday, though, he comes to church and only 10,000 of the 32 came back. Whatever he preached that Sunday, 22,000 people didn't like it and they went home. That's a little discouraging. But to the preacher, it's still a little there's still 10,000 people. By week three of preaching, 
That 10,000 people's dropped down to 300. He's calling for the overseer to get him out of that church before the overseer finds out he just ran off 27 or 20, excuse me, 32,000 church people over a three-week span. I'm gonna tell you something. I said this last week, and I stand by it. Cleveland, Tennessee, probably never looks at our reports, but I can promise you one thing. They know a church was running 32,000. You know, we've we've said we. I told you this morning we broke tithe records and we've we've done different things. I doubt Dr. Tim Hill is going to call me tomorrow and say congratulations. I just looked through your records and we are just so proud of the work you are doing in the Low Country of South Carolina and Berkeley County. To God be the glory. I doubt it. But if I was pastoring 32,000 people and Tim Hill got a report that that church of a 32,000 seat sanctuary is running 300, I'm pretty sure he's coming for not a call. He's going to visit. He's going to come and say hello one Sunday morning because he's going to answers. Because something just doesn't seem right. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Of course it doesn't. We know that. The reality of it is in our journey of faith, there are times we feel like we can go bear hunting with a switch. I mean, we can go in the woods with a twig and we'll take on. We're lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my, we're ready. We can do it. And then there are other days a church mouse terrifies us. A cockroach for some of y'all. Lord, I felt conviction when I just said that. Some of y'all take on the bear before you'll take on that little cockroach. Especially the babies, the little tiny ones. Spiders or whatever it may be. The reality of it is on this journey of faith, we're going to have times in our lives where we're tired. We're exhausted. I've often said one of the hardest jobs that is probably the most less thanked jobs, it's the, probably the most of all jobs that's not thanked enough and doesn't pay very well is being a full-time caregiver of somebody, taking care of a parent or a loved one. I commend people like Sister Deborah Wolf and others and Sister Glenda who did it with her mom and her sister and, and others who have had to stay, Sister Sherry and, and, and Aaron and others that have had to be caregivers around the clock. That is a job. Oftentimes a thankless job, but a job nonetheless. I'm going to tell you, I said to someone one time when I was serving in another location, I said, I'm not sure who's going to die first, the patient that's sick or the caregiver, because the caregiver's wearing out quicker than the patient is. Because they're worn out. They're tired. I went and saw Brother Robert Chambers on Saturday night, uh, Friday night, and uh Went and saw him and, at his home, and uh, and I was talking to his daughter-in-law Allison, and we were just chit-chatting. And she said, "Pastor, it is exhausting." She said, "You don't you don't realize that two to three-hour block that I get on Tuesdays and Thursdays when a sitter comes in. That that three-hour window is how enlightening those three hours. I cherish those three hours of moments." She said, "I'm tired." She said, "But I can't stop because who else is going to take care of him? I have to keep going." See, in the world that we're living in today, too many people, they will take care of mama and daddy and grandmother. They'll get tired, but they'll keep going. But when they hit just a little bit of a bumpy patch in their spiritual journey, they're ready to quit on God. They don't keep going. They're ready to throw in the towel on God. They don't throw in the towel on mama, nor should they. They don't throw in the towel on the family member, nor should they. But when the road gets a little rocky on their spiritual journey, instead of trusting God to get them through, they quit on him. They turn their back. They say, I'm done. Gideon kind of felt that way. He said, well, what am I going to do with 300 men? 
I can't go. I'm, I already told you, God, I'm the least among the least of the tribes of Israel. I can't go with this many people. Can I tell you that some of the greatest victories that people ever have in their spiritual journey did not come without paying a heavy price? Every person you look through the holy pages of Scripture that you've read about, every one of them that you say, man, I wish I could be like them. Oh, really? Well, if you'll humor me for about 30 seconds, let me give you a rundown. Oh, Pastor, I wish I could be like Moses and see the face of God. And I wish that I could see the glory, the Shekinah glory of God. And, and my face would illuminate with the presence of God. Oh, really? Really? Because you're willing to walk in desert places? You're willing to be isolated from your own family? You're willing to have to be a vagabond with no place to lay your head? Be accused of murder and be a murderer? You're willing to go take on the head of the state and the one who could have your head killed and tell him, I'm taking all these people out of here and whether you like it or not and don't know if you're going to live to tell the rest of the story. Walk around 40 years in desert with a bunch of grumbling and complaining, ungrateful people. Oh, really? You want to be Moses? It doesn't sound like a lot of people signing up for the rest of Moses' life. Oh, Pastor, I wish I was like Abraham. I was... Father of many nations. And I got to see the wonders of God. Oh, really? You're willing to blindly follow God and God tell you to leave everything, quit your job, quit your home, leave your family, leave your friends, pack up everything you know and go cross country to a place you've never been before and you don't even know what's awaiting you and just pack up and leave with no regard for anything else. You're willing to do that? You're willing tomorrow to sell your house, put it on the market, grab your clothes and go to China and start being a missionary? Because that's basically what Abraham did. He packed up and went to a place he knew not of. Oh, I, I, wish, I wish that I could be like the Apostle Paul. Oh, really? You want to be beaten and stripped of your clothes and your dignity, thrown in prison, stoned, all but executed? You, you, you want to live more in prison than you do outside of prison? You want that kind of ministry? See, all those people, we look at them and talk about how great they are, but it come with a price. I tell you, I tell people all the time, I had a young man one time come to my office studying. He was kind of in between, in betwixt what he wanted to be. And he felt like the Lord was calling him to the ministry. And he didn't know which way to go. And he had been praying. And he just wanted spiritual guidance. He said, you know, I, I mean, I don't mind speaking in front of people. You know, I'm not afraid of that and, and, and people. He said, but I, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know if, if the Lord's leading me to senior pastorate ministries or youth ministries or something else. And he said, what's your thoughts? I said, if you don't know he's calling you to be the pastor, don't be him. Not because it doesn't come with its rewards. Yes, there are times being the senior pastor is wonderful. There are other times, though, it ain't as pretty as it sounds. The reality of it is, when people say, oh, I want the anointing of God on my life. Oh, really? Because everywhere in Scripture the anointing came, it came after something hard. The anointing was only produced after a time of squeezing and pressing and crushing. The anointing only came after something was broken in somebody else's life. So for everybody that says, I want the anointing of Dr. Tim Hill or T.L. Lowry or Billy Graham or whoever, you better be careful because you may not know the price it's going to cost you to have that. You may not know. The Bible says that Gideon, he was exhausted. But he didn't quit. He kept going. We know that burnout and fatigue is seen in ministry. 
Statistical analysis tells us people are leaving the ministry. If I were to survey this body of believers tonight, whether in-house or had them online, send us a thumbs up or whatever on live stream, I guarantee you I could get a mass majority of votes that would say at some point in their life that somebody felt like they were done. They were giving up. They were either quitting the job. They were, their marriage was falling apart. They thought about leaving. They thought about giving up. If we have lived long enough and truthfully were honest before God and man and did not have arrogance and pride and would say the truth before God and man, every one of us probably at some point has had something in our lives where we were worn out and didn't feel like we could keep going. We were done. But you're still here, so obviously you kept going. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. I don't, but you're here, so obviously you're still going. Because when you stop going... That's when we know you're not going. So if you die, you're done. You know, you're in heaven. That's great. You're resting, but you're not going. You're resting. The reality of it is, as long as there's still, we sang it this morning, as long as I'm alive, there's going to be praise. And as long as I'm alive, there's going to be shout. If you're still here, that means you still have to keep going. Now, God may call some of us home tonight. But until he does, we got to keep going because Monday's coming. For some of you, you dread Monday more than any other day of the week. You hate it. You dislike it. I tell people all the time, I can always tell when Monday's coming because their personality changes. It's Friday, they're Pentecostal. They're shouting everywhere they can go. They're not going to work. They don't have any plans. They have become Pentecostal in a hurry. By Monday... They're atheists. They don't have a, nothing to say. They don't believe in anything. They are miserable. Monday, I didn't even got here. I, I've, I've seen the dejection on people's faces. I've, I've seen Brother Dennis and, and, and Sister Jennifer countless times on a Monday morning put on Facebook some ginormous cup of coffee and said, this is how I'm going to get through the day. You know, and it's like a jumbo-sized thing of coffee. And, you know, I mean, it's just people dread Mondays. I, I tell Brianna all the time, Brianna always, I think it's anxiety, but always she'll tell me on Sunday night, I don't feel good. I said, because tomorrow is Monday. <laughs> she'll get up on a Monday morning and she'll say, I just don't know if I can go to work today. I said, welcome to everybody else in America today. Nobody wanted to get up and go today. <laughs> me neither. So that's why I took Monday off. I'll go in Tuesday. You know? Uh, she said, well, that must be nice having your job. I said, it is. I'm the boss. I get to do that sometimes. Unless Miss Carol calls and says, come in. And then I come in. The reality of it is we all go through seasons. Where we're worn out and we're burned out. But I want to encourage you a couple things tonight. In the middle of being worn out and tired, the first thing I want you to be mindful of is in the middle of that, don't lose your head. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Don't, don't go crazy. You know, some people, they get so bogged down by things in their lives that they lose their mind. I know none of y'all have ever met crazy people, but I'm related to some of those people. They're in my family. I have some folks in my family. I'm not going to tell you their names because I don't want you to know who they are. They're not here, so don't look at my dad. It's not him. It's not him. But I've had some folks in my family that just the slightest of things can create a level of anxiety where they lose their mind. They start 
blowing up. They get anxious. And they're not being meaning to be rude, but they, they just fly off the handle. They're getting excited, and they're, they're whatever. And, you know, I, I, I mean, how long does it take to do this? And why are we not on the road? And, 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 and they get so flustered. Brother Mike and I had a conversation this morning. Brother Mike and Sister Glenda, when he was, uh, his last stint, when he was coming out of the military, he was coming back to what they call the home base. They had packed up all their stuff in a tractor trailer, a brand new, never been used tractor trailer, nice tractor trailer, on their way, on the tractor trailer's way back to bring it to where Brother Mike and Sister Glenda were going to be be at for, for final place. It caught on fire, and they, they it, it burned on the way, and, and he had to call, and it was a whole process of trying to figure out where his stuff is and everybody else was losing their marbles well mike well mike well mike mike what are you gonna do mike you, you know and, and mike's like and yeah but mike all your stuff it's burned up and, and your clothes and and your furniture and you'll never be salvaged and he goes that's true yeah but you don't understand i mean that doesn't make you upset well i i didn't really want that to happen but you know there's this thing called there ain't nothing i can do about it now because it ain't going to remake itself look pretty again, so time to go shopping, Glenda, and we get new wardrobes, you know. There are some things in life we will allow the enemy, we will allow the enemy to stress us or maximize our worries and our frets to the point we'll lose our ability to think clearly. We'll start going off the deep end. I've heard people all the time say it all the time. January 1st rolls around. I'm going on a diet. I'm fat. I'm not eating another sweet thing for the rest of my life. January 2nd, where's the pecan pie that we had yesterday? That lasted a long time, didn't it? Sometimes we say things in a moment that we know good and well. We ain't going to fulfill that promise. We know that. That's why thousands of people sign up for a gym membership, and by the end of January, they all quit. Didn't take them long. I met a gentleman one time. He said, I work out every day. I work my hand up, and I work my hand down. Another gentleman one time, he said, Pastor, I got a nice set of abs. I said, you do? He's an older gentleman. I said, you do? He said, yeah, I do sit-ups every day. I said, well, how many do you do? He said, one. I said, do what? He said, I do half of it in the morning when I get up. And when I go to bed, I lay back down. That's the other half. So I do one sit-up a day. I remember in our ch- at a church one time I was serving at. I had a gentleman, he was, he, was a, uh, he was a very healthy man. Healthy is a relative term in this, in this story. But he always told me, he said, Pastor, when you go out to be a senior pastor, you need to find you some men with a belly. And I thought, what a weird concept to give me advice. He said, yeah, you need to find people that have a big belly. I said, why is that? He said, because that means they're level men. There's a bubble right in the middle. You know, there might be some validity to that. I'm not real sure. But there are moments in time that we'll get out of proportion. We'll allow things in our lives to make us not be stable or be level. We'll, we'll, we'll veer from one side to the other. I've heard people all the time make statements that, that I know good and well. They're upset. They're, they're in the moment. There's a lot of stuff happening. And it's bothering them. But they're making a decision on something that's a temporary situation in that moment. They lose their ability to think. Isaiah 26 and 3 tells us the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stays upon him because he trusts in the Lord. Philippians 2 and 5 says let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. I never can find in scripture where Jesus lost his mind. You say well he flipped the money changers out in the temple. Yes 
but he was righteous. It was righteous anger. He he did it with the right motives and, and things like that. Yes, he, he had emotions, but he didn't go crazy, crazy. When you get confused spiritually and fatigued, anytime someone gets confused and fatigued in their mind, they will make bad decisions on a temporary circumstance. I've heard people do it all the time. People will get some report or some news and they'll make a decision right then. The problem is they make a decision hastily on a temporary situation. And then looking back, they would have, they'd go back and say, man, I wish I would have made that decision back then. Because they made it in a bad moment. In order to keep your mind clear, you must rest in the provisions God has. You must renew His peace in your heart. The Bible tells us we can have that perfect peace that surpasses all human understanding. In order to keep your head straight, you can rejoice in His presence, being with the family of God, being in listening to podcasts, listening to, 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 to songs of worship on the radio or on an app, Pandora or Spotify or, or YouTube, whatever you like to listen to. You, 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 can, you can fill your mind with the goodness of God to help keep your mind screwed on properly. We got enough loony bins out there. We don't need anybody else to lose the rest of their marbles. Some people only were given a few to start with. We certainly don't need them to lose anymore. Reality of it is you can't lose your head. Even when you're tired and you're worn out, you have to keep going, but you can't lose the ability to think clearly. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be able to think clearly. You might be worn out and still going, but don't, not only do not lose your head, but don't let what's happening to you change who you are for the negative. Don't lose your heart. I've seen too many people that walk through life that a situation happened to them and they never were the same person they were prior to. Now, I understand situations in life can have effects on us, but I have seen where people's complete personality went from one extreme to the other. They went from a person that was happy and jovial and loved life, full of life, to depressed sad, didn't want to laugh again, and cried a lot. If you've never walked with someone who is, the old timers called it sundowners, now we get fancy and we call it Alzheimer's and dementia. Back in the day they called it sundowners because during the day it seemed like those patients would kind of be okay, but when the sun goes down they'd lose their mind in reality. I've seen nothing is more heartbreaking to sit with people that you know years ago laughed and was fun and full of life but now they're just the shell of a person you once knew now in the physical sense it breaks our heart when we see mama who used to always love to go and do but now she's combative and saying things out of her head they say more often than not that if you're a nasty vile mean person when you're normal if you ever get dementia you become the sweetest patient that the hospital ever has or the nursing home but if you're the sweet nice beautiful person when you get old and get it you turn into an alter ego personality Brianna has said many times that there'll be people that come into the, to their that when they first get there they're just as sweet as can be 
But as their health deteriorate, they turn into a total different patient than the person they had when they walked through the door. Now, we're talking about that from the physical sense, but I want to challenge you from the spiritual sense. The devil knows that if he can ever get you to change your heart, he will have control of you for eternity. So what do you think he's going to do? Oh, he's going to send haymakers. Oh, he's going to send the torrential rains. Oh, he's going to send the hurricanes. Oh, of course he's going to punch you and batter you and do everything he can. He wants you to be discouraged and lose heart. That's what he wants. He wants you to give up. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants you to get mad. He wants you to shake your fist at God and say, Why, God? And in reality... All he's really after is for you to give up. Give up on God. Give up on hope. Give up on that marriage. Give up on those children. Give up on that job. Give up on those people battling addictions. All he's really after is getting you to give up on God. That's what he's after. He doesn't care about your heart. He cares about your eternity. He doesn't care if you feel good or doesn't. He wants you to quit on God. All throughout scriptures, there's plenty of people that walk through bad stuff. I'm not saying that you'll never have moments where you'll question God. Even the greatest of men in the Bible question God from time to time. David, many times, God, where are you? Why are so many forsaken me? Where is? Where are you, God? I can't feel you. Where, where are you? Yes, he would have to encourage himself in the Lord. Yes, he'd have to say, many are they that increase to trouble me, and many are they that rise up against me, and many are they that say in my soul, there's no help for him of God, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me in the glory and lift of my head. I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me out of his holy hills. I laid myself down to sleep, and the Lord sustained me. Sure, he had to go through those moments, but that was after he had some questions. Even the Son of God had questions. God, if it be your will, Nevertheless, not my will, but let this cup pass from me. If it's not your will, I understand, but God, if there's another way. Humanity of Christ even wrestled with questions. Moses had questions about going to Egypt. God, I can't speak. I can't talk. Who am I to go talk to Pharaoh? To the point God got so angry and said, listen here. I'll send Aaron, but you're going to talk to me, and he can talk for you, but you're still going. You're not getting out of this thing. In fact, one time, God got so mad, Moses fell asleep one night, and God had every intention to take him out. But his wife, Zipporah, got up in the middle of the night, and she offered, if you will, a blood sacrifice, if you will, before him and said, God, you made a covenant with this man. The Bible said the Lord relented, and it was only because she got up and said, but God, this was your promise. See, people in the Bible, Abraham had questions. All kinds of people have questions. They might have had questions for God. They just never questioned who God was. You're never going to get in trouble with God for questioning having questions. You get in trouble with God when you start questioning who he is. There's nothing wrong to say, God, I don't understand while I'm walking. What's going on? Why did I get cancer? God, why? And you may not always get the answer, but you can certainly ask God, why is my family falling apart? Why did my marriage fall apart? Why is my church falling apart? You can ask God questions, just don't question who he is. It's easy to lose heart. John 14 and 1, Jesus gave us the most beautiful of all pictures. 
Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Psalm 61 and 2. David said, from the end of the earth I will cry out unto you. And when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path known. You just trust Him. Don't lose heart. Don't lose your heart for the multitude. Don't lose your heart for the master. Don't lose your heart for the minister. Just because life throws you curveballs doesn't mean you have to quit on God. But finally, I'd like to admonish you that even though you may feel worn out, you know that you should still keep going. Don't lose your head. Don't lose your heart. But don't lose your hope. Don't lose your hope. I'll tell you something. The very last thing to die with, the, with someone who is getting ready to pass over from this life to the next. The very last thing to die. It's not their heart. Sometimes hearts time out and they still got choked on machines and stuff. And the brain's still trying to coordinate everything. The heart's not always the one that times out. There are people that the brain times out, but the heart's still pumping. So the brain wasn't the last. I'm going to tell you the last thing to die with someone is hope. You know how I know? Because why won't people pull the plug? Because they have They believe they're going to come back. They believe they'll come off that brain injury. They believe that that heart's going to... They believe they're going to come off the operating table. And when they come through the operating table and it's not looking good, they believe they're a fighter inside of them. They're going to pull through. Because they know something. If they pull that plug, they're going to lose hope. Hope dies with the man or the woman. And the devil knows it. The devil knows it too. He knows if he gets you to stop believing, then you're done for. You're of all men most miserable. You're, you're done. You're finished. It's over. There's been many a men, matriarchs, patriarchs of the faith, many men and women that I have visited in homes, went to countless nursing home services and visits, Hospital beds that we knew outside of a bona fide miracle they weren't going home. But they never lost hope. I meant for two years to Pruitt Health every Thursday. And I'd walk in that room. Now some days Sister Faye wanted to see me. Other days not so much. Just depend on if we had Kentucky Fried Chicken that day or not kind of decided that or or Captain D's it was a toss up you didn't come with food you better not stay bring food you can stay for about five minutes let's talk many a days we knew she wasn't going home but she'd lay in that bed and she'd say well you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home I'll be home by Christmas I got I got I got to see Carter get his Christmas pastor I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to church I mean right now I I'm fine, but I'm, I, I got, how's church? It's good. How's people? Everybody's doing good. I, I'm going to see y'all soon. We knew that wasn't reality. But she had hope. 
I've sat by a loved one's bedside. The family had to make the decision whether or not to pull the plug. And while some said, look, they're just, we're doing them a disservice to leave them on there. Others in the room said, but, but what if? What if we just wait one more day? What if, what they were trying to say is, but I'm not ready to give up hope yet. Because when hope dies in a man, that man also dies at the same time. Yeah, it's tough living without brain functionings and hearts. But I'm not talking about just physical. I'm talking about an emotional side. Yeah, you shouldn't lose your head. Yes, you shouldn't lose your heart. But I'm going to tell you, if you lose your hope, your head and your heart won't really matter anymore. Because they'll be the next to go. They will be. I have seen many of people come to altars all over various places and revivals, church services, etc. Pour out their heart to God. Heavy requests. I'm not talking now, lay me down. I'm talking deep-seated requests. They're broken. The tears are the language God understands. They don't even know what to pray, Brother Marion, so God's just praying for them, if you will, as the high priest, because they're just weeping. They don't even know how to make words of what's happening. I had just this course of this past couple weeks, someone come to my office, that their world has imploded around them. They didn't know what to say. They just cried. And I have learned, through the help of the Holy Spirit and of God, that the only thing we have in this, hope, in this world is hope. You say, really? How you figure, preacher? Because this world is not going to get better. It's just not. I don't care who you vote for in November 2024. It ain't going to get better. We're too, I, I hate to use the word, we're too far gone. But there's too much wickedness. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Sin has prevailed for so long. I mean, we, there might be a remnant of us, but it, it ain't getting better, y'all. I'm not talking about your gas prices. I'm talking about the morality of humanity is not going to get better. But it doesn't really bother me because this is not my final place. Because the Bible tells me that I'm just a pilgrim, a sojourner, traveling from this place to a place called Yonder, whose builder and maker is the Lord, a city whose foundations I have never seen and I've never built, but they were made and fashioned by the hand of God. The old song says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I'll wholly lean. On Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock, I stand. See, the reality of it is, I can put my trust in men, but they'll let me down. I can put my trust in a pastor, and he'll let me down. I can put my trust in a friend, and they'll let me down. I can put my trust in Jesus, he'll never let me down. Never let me down. That is my hope. That is the hope of the church. The hope of the church is not for a 500-seat Ephesus in the front of this property. If God lets that happen, to God be the glory. The hope is that people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so whether the building is built or not, someday we'll all go to heaven. When we all get to heaven, we'll sing and shout the victory. When we all see Jesus, when we all walk those streets of gold, we're going to sing the wondrous love of Jesus and His grace. We're going to see mansions and gates of pearl and, and jasper walls. The hope is not to stay here. The hope is to get over there 
That's the hope. And if I lose sight of that, I lose it all. I lose it all. Psalms 146 and 5, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help and whose hope is true in the Lord. Psalms 42 and 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. The Bible tells us in Acts 27 that the apostle Paul was doomed. He was on a journey, he was on a ship. They were headed to take prisoners across the way, but a storm brew, and the, the ship got through a torrential, if you will, a, 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 a violent storm, and it broke apart, if you will, the ship, and all the prisoners were overboard, and the ship splintered, and they're grabbing boards to try to float, and they land to this island, and, and they get there, but the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Acts that, that while neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat upon us, all hope that we should be saved was finally given up. What he said was, is all the men on the ship got to a point that says we're doomed. We'll never see our wives again. We'll never see our children again. We'll never do it. Even the captain of the guard was like, we're going to have to. And Paul said, but the Bible tells us, but Paul, when they got to the island, they started counting and says, well, Larry was on the boat. Oh, there's Larry. Well, Jennifer was on the boat. Well, there's Jennifer too. Or, or brother, brother Marion was on there and brother Dennis was on there and the Bible said they lost not a one can I tell you you may feel like all hope is lost you may feel like the storm is raging but can I tell you there's somebody sleeping in the bow of the boat and while the boat is breaking apart there's one in the bottom of the boat that's going to stand up and say but no one's going to get lost on this I'm on the boat with you I'm going to sleep on the boat but peace be still and you may be shipwrecked and you may feel like your life is breaking apart and splintering you may feel like you're on an island but can I tell you there's somebody else on the boat he's not going to let you drown he's not going to let you go under he's going to get you safely to where you're supposed to go how do I know that because I have hope I believe it I've seen it Miss Carol you make your way the old Nancy Harmon song says I've come too far to look back I already know I've seen it you can't tell me otherwise Many people have had that same phrase the Apostle Paul had. All hope to be saved seemed to be lost. But I'm like David. But I'll hope in God. And for yet I shall still praise him for his countenance. David had to encourage himself in the Lord many times. Others of the faith had to do the same. 2019 the end of 2019 the world was shell shocked by something we called COVID-19 I mean it punched sucker punched us in the face like we had never seen we didn't see it coming we heard about little pockets that were happening overseas but we all thought never will it come to America I remember when the first case popped in the United States and everybody said yeah but that's just one Boy, did it ramshack the world. We thought in the middle of 2020, maybe we were turning the corner. Then we got something called Delta. It shows up. We rode that storm for a while and thought, well, we'll get through this one. And then they found one called 
Omicron. Omicron. It seemed to be worse than the other two. Had a bigger bite to it. I literally saw people. Now I want you to hear this pastor very carefully before you all get on social media and you TikTok this and you know put it on some Instagram story reel or Facebook reel. I'm going to be real with you right now, but it's not Facebook or Twitter. I'm going to be real honest with you. I saw people of faith start running in fear. Freaking out. I, I, I'm not talking about if you got your vaccine cards and you wore your mask. That's not what I'm, talking about. I'm talking about people who lost hope in God. They thought this was it. We're, we're doomed for. I see pockets in this auditorium every Sunday where people used to sit, but they haven't come back since COVID because they're still afraid leave their house COVID literally locked them as a hermit in their own home for the rest of their lives they are changed forever by that not just physically but emotionally I'm not talking about your vaccines or your mask but I saw people think the only way to safety was through a needle in an arm say pastor you tell me I shouldn't got a vaccine no that's not what I'm telling you I'm telling you but the vaccine ain't what saved you God did now, I'm not telling you you shouldn't have took the vaccine. That's between you and God. I'm telling you, the vaccine, there's people that took the vaccine that died too. You're here because God's not finished with you, not because of a vaccine. God's not done with you. That's why you're here. Some took it, some didn't. That's there between them and God. But I've seen people that were full health, healthy people that have died, and I've seen people that are sick that are still alive. You, it's when God's ready, not when man's ready. I saw people live in fear. So from, Jan- from December to May of tw- from December 19, 2019 to May of 2020, we became virtual church. Facebook, YouTube channels. We went the social media route in a hurry. God was good. Finances, everything was good. I meant to bring it tonight, but I left it at my house forgot it at that time uh, Miss Chrissy and Olivia were with us they, they, due to some high school things and other things they don't get to come as long like they used to they still are obviously connected to us but they were here during a sermon I preached and I was preaching on the hope of glory and that entire sermon I had an acronym for the word hope H-O-P-E Now, we're going to do a nice, those of you that weren't here in 2019, you get a pass. So, congratulations, you get 100. But those of you that were here, we're going to see how much you pay attention to the preacher. This could tell, tell, be the telltale sign how many people actually listen to me on Sunday mornings. Anybody know what hope was? Say louder. We're in the middle of COVID, and it was, hold on, pandemic's end. That was my sermon that Sunday. Hold on pandemic's end. I don't know when they're going to end Brother Mike. I told the church, I don't know when but I'm going to tell you, even if it's through the grave it's going to end because I get to heaven, there ain't COVID. I've never heard of a documented case of COVID in heaven. So one way or the other, here or by the grave, it's going to end. I preached that. I had a shirt made. Chrissy had made me a shirt and I wore it all throughout that entire time. I got more people comments about that shirt. Hold on, pandemic's end. Hope. Psalms 91. 
He dwells in the secret place. He'll abide in the shadow of the mountain. With deadly pestilence, global pestilence, with a global thing. But I'll protect you even in global crisis. Psalms 91 actually called for a global pandemic. But he said, I'll protect you. Shocking, here I am still today because God did exactly what his word said he could do. I'm not discrediting all the other people that may have lost loved ones. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you, no matter what, we cannot lose hope in Jesus Christ. Once COVID came out, I thought, well, Lord, that was a nice acronym, but what about what about the rest of life? You know, maybe we don't have a global pandemic. What if I have other problems? So then I changed it to hold on problems in. They may not go away, but they'll end eventually. Because when I get to heaven, I don't have arthritis. Never heard of a documented case of arthritis in heaven. COPD, congestive heart failure, none of that. I have never heard anybody went to heaven. And they got up and said, I don't feel like as good as I used to. Never. I haven't found anywhere in Scripture where people went to heaven and go, I remember when I used to feel younger. No, never in heaven. And more recently, over the last six months to a year, God changed hope again. Not only can I hold on that pandemic's in, not only can I hold on the problem's in, but you know why I can keep going? Because if I hold on, God's promises are eternal. I can't always move God's hand or needle, but when I can't, see his hand moving and I can't see his face I can trust his heart because one thing I do know he who's began a good work is faithful to complete it what I do know is I'll never leave you nor forsake you I'm a friend that sticks close to the brother I may not always see what's going on around me but I can trust he's there somewhere even when I don't see him he's there so I hold on because his promises are eternal So no matter what you're going through, let me encourage you today, don't lose your head, don't lose your heart, but don't lose hope. Hold on. Your problems are going to end. Hold on. Your pain is going to end. Hold on. Even if it's for a little while longer, hold on. Because one day, church, we're going to be raptured out of here and we're going to go to glory. Why? Because the promises of God are forever settled in heaven. He said, not one dot, not one till my word will pass away. God's promises are eternal. Hold on. His promises are eternal. Will you stand all over the house? Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, I tried to preach your word to your people today. God, I'm so humbled to the assignment that you give me each week to love on this body of believers and the countless others that stream us online. I am nothing special outside of being the glove which the hand of the Lord is placed inside. God, I thank you that you allow me to shepherd, be a chief under-shepherd as you are the shepherd of this great body and flock. I pray today, God, that something, something made a difference in someone's life today. I pray that they maybe have drawn closer to you. Maybe they got saved. Maybe they gave their heart to you. Maybe they had a situation that they trusted you. But God, I felt your presence this morning. I believe your word was just as good tonight as it was this morning. Oh, I pray 
God, you let this word marinate and saturate in our heart. Father, we're getting ready to leave this place to go to and fro our destination and rest in places of abode. I pray for every man, woman, boy, or girl in the sound of my voice that you bless them this week. You keep them. You make your face shine upon them. You be gracious unto them. You lift up your countenance towards them. Give them the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts till we come again. And let the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and redeemer. Father, we will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor because we truly know there is no one like you and our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And to that I commit into the loving arms of our Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. Together this body of believers said amen. I'm going to ask Brother Randy Erchberger to pray our benediction prayer immediately following. Feel free to be dismissed. Don't forget Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall with coffee and, and all kinds of snack foods as we'll continue. We'll finish up with Article 13 and 14 of who we are, what we believe, and uh, we'll walk through that journey. Don't forget next Sunday is Mom's Special Day. It's Mother's Day, so bring your mamas to church. Tell your mamas Happy Mother's Day. If you haven't bought your Mother's Day gift yet, shame on you. I'm actually early this year. That's the only reason I'm saying it, because I was early this year. So I just want you to feel guilty one time. So don't forget, but if your mom's able to come with you, I know some of you said your mothers will be with us next week. If your mothers live out of town or they're not able to come, call them, visit them, send them a card in the mail, but honor mom next week. And we'll be talking on our last fourth, fourth installment of our series called Generations. We're going to be talking about moms next week and about what it means to pass on your faith to the next generation and what it means to continue to do so. So make sure you're with us next Sunday morning. You also don't want to miss it because Brother Mike's got his mother coming. So Brother Mike's going to play a nice trumpet solo for something. We ain't figured out what yet. So his mama can hear her baby play the trumpet. So you better come next week. It's Mike's special moment. So uh, make sure you come next week. But we've got a gift for you next Sunday. We've already got them ordered. We have a gift for every mom that's here next Sunday, so if you don't have a child, borrow one and make us believe you got one, and we'll give you a gift, but, but we'll have one. So God bless you, Brother Randy. Will you pray for us tonight?